Praise God. Remembering what God has done, we start with Joshua chapter 3. And uh, we're going to go, go through this as Holy Spirit so guides us so I won't be rushed for time and let Holy Spirit guide us as we go through here. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to the, uh, to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, enlarged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. Please underline that. For you have not passed this way heretofore. Many times we go places in our lives that we haven't been before, and that's the times that we feel the most uncomfortable. Many times, you know, if we always went the same way or went through the same things in life as we always have, then we would not have to rely on God to get us to where we need to go because we would have already experienced it and we'd be so relaxed we wouldn't need God. Amen. So here he's telling them, for you, you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoken to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I, as I was with you, so I will be with Moses. Sorry, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. You know, and God tells us that today also. Um, God was not with Joshua through every single step as he was with Moses, all right? Because the events of Moses' life was obviously different from the events in Joshua's life. But what is the same is that God was with him. The same way God guided Moses, the same way God advised Moses, what is really being said here is that the same way I guided Moses, the same way I spoke to Moses, so I will be with you, okay? And that applies to us today. We do not live outside of Old Testament, you know, contrary to some folks' belief. They will say that we are New Testament Christians and say everything. The Bible cannot be divided. God's Old Testament and New Testament are continuous. They, they, they complement one, one another. So when it says here that the same way that he was with Moses, he'll be with Joshua, the same thing for us too. And you have to remember that. That the same way that God was with Moses and Joshua, God is with you. And if you reflect back and remember some of the things that have gone on in your past, if you have not seen it, you ask Holy Spirit and he will show you that God was with you also and God guided you. Even though you may have seen like or felt like you did not make the right choice, God was still with you. You see, God is always in charge. I don't care what happens in your life. God is always in charge. Everything that's happening on this planet, God is in charge of. Amen. 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 So it goes on to say in verse number 8, And thou shalt command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you you shall stand still in the Jordan. Stand still. Underline that. Stand still. That always makes me think of Psalm 46.10 where it says, Stand still or be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So many times when we're running in a turmoil and our day just seems to be so hectic and we can't make, you know, understand what's up or nor down. One of the best things that we can do, one of the best scriptures for us to remember is simply, Be still and know that I am God. 
In the midst of that turmoil, in the midst of whatever is going on in your life, God is there. And if you can just take a time and step back and just be still and know that God is there. You see, it is very, very difficult, if not impossible, for us to literally focus on two things. Okay, okay, we can't really, really technically multitask. We cannot do two things actually simultaneously. Either you're doing one or the other very, very quickly, but you're not doing it exactly simultaneously. So while the devil there is sowing these thoughts of confusion and thoughts of failure and thoughts of worry in your mind, what you need to do is to replace those thoughts of worry, replace those thoughts of anxiety, and focus on the scriptures. And one of the best ways to arrest those thoughts is by saying, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 4610. Therefore, your mind gets off, off of the turmoil that's going you start focusing on God. So back to the scriptures here in verse number 9 it says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the, and the uh, Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into the Jordan. Please put a highlight all around verse number 10, where it says, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, etc., etc. We all have Canaanites and Hittites and Perizzites and so on in our lives. Those things or those peoples, quote-unquote, or nations, quote-unquote, in our lives are those issues of life that come against us. These are the things in life that give us a hard way to go. These are the things that pop up in our lives that we can't, we can't seem to wrestle with, you know. Uh, I, I, I remember many years ago it would seem like we, we, could not, we, we couldn't accumulate any money. The refrigerator would break down and the minute the refrigerator got repaired, all of a sudden the dishwasher would go out and it was like one thing after the other. Well, these are the parasites and the Jebusites that sort of rise up in your lives. It can be in the form of people who are giving you opposition. Brother Brandon talking about people that were saying things and just being difficult in his career. Well, we have this in our lives. And one thing you have to remember that when you're, you, you, when, wherever you are in life, whether it be it at work, be it in Winco, like I'm always talking about, and someone is, is, is taking, uh, you know, you're standing online and you've got two items and someone with three shopping carts comes in and cuts you off and you, you, you really feel like blowing it, you know, to remember that that, you know, God is with me. God is with me. There's a reason even for me, for me being put into this situation. You'd be surprised, even though that may sound trivial, you'd be surprised how quickly that can get some people upset and sort of change the course of your day. So anyway, back to what it's saying here is that God is with you and he will not fail you. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into all the Jordan. Now therefore... Take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, and out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand in one heap. In other words, kind of like the Red Sea, when they stepped into the sea there, the waters parted. So we're saying here in the River Jordan, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of, of the River Jordan, ever been, I mean, this is a huge body of water. We're not talking about a creek. <laughs> Alright, this is a huge body, body of water. Um, <clears throat> and it shall stand in 
1, he, verse 14. And it came to pass, surely enough, and it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they who bore the Ark were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, uh, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks all the, at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in one heap, very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zarethan, and those that came down toward the sea of the Arabah, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Now, you see where this was heading. We know what happened with the battle of Jericho, all right? So right there now, God is showing them his might. God is preparing. They saw what happened at the Red Sea, but that still wasn't good enough because we know how Israel, they, they were up and they were down. They were up and they were down. They complained, and then God showed them his might. They were thankful. Then they started going off again. They complained and so on. So now he's showing them again by this Jordan that they're going over now towards Jericho. And we know what's, what's going to happen at the Battle of Jericho. Verse 17. And the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed completely over the Jordan. Okay? So here we see again now, God removed the obstacle that was there, the Jordan, showing them his might, having this, this huge body of water part to have them go and, and, and prepare the way to where they're going. The many things that have happened in your life, the obstacles that God has removed in your life, think about that as the River Jordan. The River Jordan in your life. How God brought you through it. Remember, this whole message is about remembering what God has done. Because the way the devil works is that when he brings something new into your life, a new challenge, a new trouble, and what, and how quickly we forget what God had already done. You know? What did David say when he was going out to fight Goliath? His own brothers were there telling him, you can't do this. You're but a little shepherd boy. You can't do that. And, and the king said, oh, but you, you know, you're, you're untrained. You're not trained. And what did David say? He said, I remember where God delivered me from the, from the bear. Remember? And from the lion and so on. You see? So David remembered what God had done for him. We need to remember what God has done for us in order for us to be victorious in moving forward. Because if you can always remember what God did, it'll better prepare you for those things which would be before you, those challenges, challenges that would be before you. When God says that tells you that I'm, and you're in prayer and you hear Holy Spirit telling you that I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, right away instantly we tend to have a doubt sometimes because we don't see God. We don't see him. See? But oh, how easy it would be for us to have faith in God if we could see him. You see? But that's not what faith is. What does the scripture say about hope? You know, why do we hope for those things that are seen? Okay, because that's not really hope. Hope and faith is when you're hoping and you're trusting God for something that you can't see. When you're up to here with an issue, you're up to here and it seems like you're, you're literally drowning. For you not to see a physical God, for you to have faith, knowing that God is going to bring you through, that's what faith is all about. And that's what hope is all about. When you have that kind of faith, faith having faith in God pleases Him, that's when God says, rolls up His sleeves and said, now I can work with her. Now I can work with him because now he does not see the way. Now she does not see what's going to happen, but she's still having faith in me. She's not being moved. You know, she's not being, being, being like a reed being shifted back and forth by the wind or the waves in the ocean. You see, that's what having faith is. So we have to remember, have to remember what God did for us, you know. And I think for young people today that is so important because young people, I think, are challenged today by more things than we were as children. The world is upside down. 
I think it's super important for young folks to see and remember when God did something in their lives, how God will bring them through whatever situation may be going on in school, in their early careers, or whatever is going on. You need to always remember what God has done. So, all right, so now, so, so they made it through the Jordan, and then in verse number, chapter number four, it picks up. And it came to pass, when all the people were completely passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take here out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, underline twelve stones, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Please underline and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord, your God, and Lord your God, into the midst of the Jordan and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulders according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign unto you that your children of their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So this is a way that God wanted them to do, to remember what God had done. We need to always make sure that we remember what God has done for us in our lives. It's very important. Um, I, I remember... 1999 it was this was before we moved to to Oregon and I had been coming here to minister about once a quarter at various churches and so on Um, some friends of mine out here in Oregon put together uh, a weekend uh, healing and prayer service and it was actually called East Meets West and it was held in the Doubletree Hotel uh, up in Portland there and we had folks come over from all all around and we're out on a couple hundred people or so there and so we had a prayer service and we had nice musicians who had volunteered to work with us and so on and uh, um, many people, many people came up, came up for prayer and for healing. And um, it, it, it was amazing because I did, I did not know them. Um, they did not know of me. There were a couple of articles that they had written that kind of preceded my coming here for that particular event. But it was a tremendous turnout, you know. And I said, Lord, well, this is your doing and you take it where you will. And as people came up for prayer and for healing, there was one woman I remember um, uh, that was in a wheelchair. And she came up. And we prayed for her and so forth. And, you know, you, we don't walk by, by sight. We don't walk by what our emotions or what we see, you know, tells us. We simply do what God tells us to do. And so I laid hands and prayed on the woman. And uh, they took her up. She had a nurse with her. And she wheeled her to the back of the room. And I went on and prayed for the others and so forth. And Holy Spirit was in mighty work. I mean, people were going down left and right and a lot of healing. But um, I remember at one point there, I remember I, I had my eyes closed and I was thinking, gee whiz, I am so thirsty, I am so thirsty. Because when you're working like that, you sweat a lot and so on. I remember thinking, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And so then a couple of moments later, I opened my eyes to look and see this woman coming down the aisle with a cup of water. Because we had refreshments in the back with a cup of water in her hand. And she got, had a smile on her face and she got closer and she handed me the water. And she said, Holy Spirit said to give you this water because you're thirsty. And so I took, when I looked at her, it was the woman that was in the wheelchair. 
was the woman that was in the wheelchair. Her wheelchair was in the back and her nurse was in the back and her mouth was hanging open like that. And she gave me the water and I drank it and praised God and praised God. So with that, the point that I'm making relative to this, I found out later on that after that event, that they went outside the hotel where there was a tree near the, near the double tree. They found 12 stones and they placed those 12 stones around that tree. And they told me later on, this is to remember what happened up here in Portland on that particular day. It was in, it was in August, August 22nd, 21st through 23rd, I think, on the day it was 1999. So that was to be a remembrance for them, what had happened there, you know. And so I'm just saying to you that here, this is the, that was the 20th century, modern times, wasn't in ancient biblical times. We need to do symbolic things in our lives to remember what God has done. Because when the devil moves in your life, it is so easy for us to forget what God did for you in the past. What God did for you in the past can be memorialized by a photograph. It can be something that you write into your Bible. It can be something that you put in a special place in your house. But you need to remember what God has done for you. You can be symbolic in the term of stones. Now, you know, don't go clearing out the quarries of the, of the state you live in to plant huge stones down. You know, but it should be something symbolic that can make you remember. Because it's important that we remember what God has done. When Satan comes into your life, the first thing he wants you to do is to forget what God is, what, what God has done, who you are in him, because he wants to make you feel so isolated that this event that's happening here is so different. It is so far beyond anything that's happened to me before. As a matter of fact, the devil will make you think, this has never happened to anyone else before. You're the only one on the planet that is going through this. You know? And if you're not careful, you wind up in a pity party. You wind up feeling so sorry for yourself that you cannot see a way out. God is always the answer. We have an awesome and a mighty and a powerful God. There is nothing in your life or any other child, child of his that he cannot do and does not want to do. But you've got to have the faith and you've got to be thankful for those things that he did. Amen? Amen? So he says there in verse number 7 that when your children shall answer, shall ask... What's the purpose? They said, these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel. We all have young people in our lives. What better way is it for you to build faith, to make your children grow up strong when you can say to them, let me tell you what mom and dad went through. When you were little, this is what happened. When you were a small child, you weren't even aware of what was going on. But this is what mom and dad went, to, went through. And because of the fact that we have faith in God, and we still do, that no matter what grows up, you will, what happens in your life is you grow up, you shall have faith also. The interesting thing is that I've seen firsthand is that the children, God's children, our children who are raised in the church, when adversity comes their way, you will see them acting, reacting accordingly. I've seen the youngsters, the grandchildren, I've seen my children when they were little, I've seen them when they did not know we were watching, that they would be simulating laying hands on each other and, and trying to speak in tongues and so on. I'd see them praying. One of them had a pampers box, a pamper box, and had a, a Bible open on top, and he was pretending that he was preaching. You know, on a pamper box, and what I'm saying to you is that these things shall be a remembrance. Let your children know the things of God, so that when they run into adversity in their lives, that they all also shall follow what mom and dad has always uh, been doing, what mom and dad have always done. 
verse number 8 here. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. As the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, as the Lord spoke unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12, uh, 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan as the place where the feet of the priests who bore the ark of the covenant stood and they are there unto the, until this day. For the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded to Joshua and the people hastened and passed over. And it came to pass... When all the people were completely passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests in the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel, and Moses spoke unto them, as Moses spoke unto them, about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord into battle, to the plains of Jericho. On that day... The Lord, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned into their place, and flowed over all its banks as they did before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal, in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua set up in Gilgal. And as he spoke... And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you, until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. And to pause there for a moment, you know, as we are going through these things, if you can kind of envision, uh, you know, the reason that these timeless words are captured in this book is not just for us to read the words, but for us to really understand and kind of visualize what was happening there. And to take these events and relate them to things that happen in our lives. You know, again, like I said, many times when things are going wrong in your life, you feel like you're drowning. You feel like you're in deep water, as the expression goes. Well, if you can kind of remember these events here in picture, how the Lord removed the waters from Israel, the same way when you're going through a difficult time, God will remove you from the waters. God will take you through the waters in many cases. God will part the issues that are going on uh, all around you and take you right through on dry land where it's a safe place. I know there have been many times that I've been in organizations where people, when I was in private industry especially, when people were, were, were being laid off and they received a proverbial pink slip on their desk. And people received these pink slips and praised the Lord, but I didn't have one. You know, and they would say, well, gee whiz, aren't you upset? Aren't you worried? Everybody's getting laid off because such and such a project was completed. And I'd say, well, no, I'm not really upset. Well, you could get laid off too. I said, yeah, I could. But aren't you worried? I said, no, I'm not. But why are you not worried? I said, how much time do you have? (laughs) 
How much time? You want to go to lunch? And I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. You see? Because no matter what's going on, the Word of God says 10,000 may fall at your side, your left hand and your right hand, but none will come near you. Psalm 91 talks about that. You see? You have to remember that God is going to bring you through any situation that may come up into your life. And by you remembering... What God did in the past when God brought you through a situation will help you to get through situations to come. Because guess what, folks? If Jesus Christ is right, and he is, of course, God's, Jesus says, you shall have tribulation. He didn't say if. He says, you shall. Okay? But I have overcome the world. One of the great things about us being Christians, which I'm so happy about, and I feel so badly for those that are non-believers, is that when a situation issue comes into our life, we have Lord Jesus. We have faith. We have God that we can pray to. To the person that knows not of God and has no faith, they're like the people who are so worried about the pink slips. You know, they totally feel lost. They feel out of control. They feel like they're literally, literally drowning because there is no hope. There's no way out. You see, when that tribulation comes into your life, and you, and it will, you know, as I said, the refrigerator got fixed, the dishwasher broke down, the, the thing that you got through, God bless you, and God blessed you and brought you through it. There will be something else that will come on, all right? But the interesting thing about Satan, and you watch how he works, okay? He will not bring on a situation that will be exactly like the one that, you, that God brought you through, all right? Because Satan knows that you gathered strength and you got faith in that particular situation, okay? So he's unlikely to repeat the same situation exactly all over again, but he will try to shake your faith by bringing something else in, okay? It may come as a, on a different face, under a different banner or something, but it will be something that will challenge your faith. So again, remembering what God did, okay? Especially when God told you to do something. Especially when God gave you some actions. Especially when God said, be patient and to wait, okay, and to watch and to be, be as a watchman and things like that. Especially when God told you that and you did those things and then you wind up becoming victorious because of what God did in your life, okay. That's what you need to remember, alright. Because when that other tribulation comes again, alright, it may not be exactly the same. But as David said, I remember the way God uh, kept me safe from that bear and from the lion. You need to think back and say, well, I remember... I remember the way God brought me through that particular situation. And because of that now, I am stronger. You see? You see, you know. Many times I hear people say that they're angry with God. Oh, gee, God let this happen. Or God did this to me. Or God so often and so on. Every single trial or tribulation that we go through, if we are focusing on God, it builds strength in us. It makes us stronger. All right? Because again, when something similar comes, comes your way, you will not cave in because you know what God did to you before. You know? And I mean, I would have us here for the rest of the month into the next year if I was to go step by step, day by day, and speak of the things that have gone on in my life from the time before I knew the Lord. And, and, and after I came to know the Lord, it seemed like it, it, it increased in intensity. You know, once you come to God, it seems like it increases in it with intensity because now you become a threat to the devil. You see, when you were a non-believer, you weren't really a threat to the devil because he knew that at any point in time he could just go on and grab you and do away with you and so on. 
When you came to the Lord, your eyes were open. Your spiritual eyes were open. You became to understand, you, you came to understand the things of God that you did not understand before. So therefore you become, you've become more of a threat to the devil. And he knows that. So he amps up his attack on you. We Christians have larger targets on us than many other people because the devil knows that we are a threat. But if we are faithful to God and remember that which he has done for us in the past, and remember even the difficult times, you know, Remember the pain that you felt. Remember the hurt that was there. Whatever it was that you... Remember the uncertainty. That's one of the things that's worse for us Christians, is the uncertainty. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You see? You don't know. You see? see? And, and, and this is where the enemy thrives again on so many fronts. I'm getting off a little bit here, but Holy Spirit's leading me in this direction. This is why the enemy thrives on so many fronts, because... We all, as human beings, want to know the things of the future, okay? And if you are not grounded in the Word of God and don't understand what God is saying to us, all right, the future is in God's hands, all right? But what the devil does is, is knowing man's proclivity towards wanting to, to know the future, things like uh, occult practices, things like astrology, things like crystal gazing, things like, you know, palm reading and all of that, things like the Ouija board, all these other occult practices come in the door because people want to know the future. And if you are so misguided and you're not a child of God that you wind off going in that direction, now the devil has opened another bigger, larger door which, which you get sucked into, you see. So we as children of God, we as Christians always know that while we do not specifically know the future, one future that, I, that we do know, that I know and that you know, is that you know where your future is. All right, and that's the future that matters. You know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's the only future that you need to know about and be certain of and, and be sure of. Okay, And between now or while you're on planet Earth until the time that you get there, each day to day, moment by moment, future is in God's hands. Okay, And the way we live and exist from day to day is simply by saying, instead of consulting a Ouija board or, or a crystal, is simply by saying, Okay, Lord, 5 o'clock in the morning when you wake up or whenever you get up. Okay, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. What's on the agenda today, Lord? Just guide me. Guide my thoughts, guide my actions. If you know you're going into a difficult space, be it a meeting, be it a plan, be it something that you have to do, you ask the Lord to give you the wisdom, give you the insights, you bind up any opposition that would be before you, and you take your daily, take your daily future along that line. But you don't go worrying about what's going to happen six months. I mean, God wants us to plan, but what I'm saying is that you don't go worrying about what if something negative happens, because you give it to God. You give it to God. Okay? We cannot change the future. We have no influence over the future. All right? We have an influence, influence in, in light of the fact that um, um, everything that God's, God does in our lives is based on our will. Okay? So we can change the future in that regard. Hear what I'm saying now? You can change the future in that regard. Okay? And that is because as powerful as God is, as almighty as God is, believe it or not, we can tie God's hands. We, puny human beings, can tie God's hands. We can almost render God, God um, um, impotent in our lives. You know how that is? By our will. Our will. Everything about God is based on free will. The angels had free will. A third of them chose to follow Satan. The others decided to stay with God. You see, so in other words, God says, Jesus Christ is here. Jesus Christ came to, to save you. 
Jesus Christ was there for Adolf Hitler. Jesus Christ was there for Mussolini. Jesus Christ was there for uh, Osama bin Laden. They had a choice. They chose where they wanted to go. They chose where they wanted to follow. So it's the same thing in our lives. God will lay out things before you and then it's up to you to choose to follow his voice. That's why it's so important for us to consult Holy Spirit and to listen to what Holy Spirit is telling us. So that we don't make the wrong choices, don't make the wrong decisions in our lives. Because as much as God loves us, he gives us free will and he will never, never invade that free will. He'll never. I mean, God is sovereign. But if he was to do that, he'd be making himself a liar because then that's counter to what he says in his word. Okay? Uh, was it Deuteronomy, I think it is, that says, I set before you life and death. This day choose. If God did not want us to choose, he wouldn't say choose. Choose indicates free will. Alright? So that means we have free will to believe. That means we have free will to believe and to follow what it is that he's telling us to do. So, uh, in closing out here, um, he said uh, in verse number 21, he spoken to the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, what mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, uh, which he dried up before us until we were over. And all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that he might fear the Lord your God. You might fear the Lord your God forever. So in closing here, God is a mighty God. Nothing is impossible for him. In Joshua chapter 4, we read about how God uh, completed the mighty task of bringing the Israelites into the promised land. God led the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom just as he had promised. Because of the magnitude of what he did, God did not want the Israelites to ever forget. So thinking back uh, for a moment, God has done some amazing things in your life, as I said before. But as you remember, let's go to 2 Corinthians here. Um, you need to remember who you are in Christ. Just a couple of more scriptures here and we're going to close. Second Corinthians verse number 5. Verse number 17. 2 Corinthians 5 verse number 17. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So the key words there in verse number 17 is that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. So remember that, first of all, that you are a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. When you accepted Jesus Christ in Lord and Savior, and, and this is one of, this is question number 1,378,23. When I get to the Lord, then I'm going to ask him, just how does that work? Amen. But the bottom line is that we don't have to understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, something spiritual takes place within us that makes us a new creature. God is not looking at the negative things, the sins of the past. God says, don't look back there. Amen. We're a new creature in Christ. So this life that we're living in, we are to remember, though, the wonderful and wondrous things that God has done for us so that we don't forget them. Don't forget them. Then go to Psalm 95. Praise the living God, Psalm 95, 
Okay. A very apropos for this time of year, um, in remembering what God has, has done for us, uh, that we should always be giving thanks. Verse 90, uh, 95, verse number 1. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. All right, so at this time of year, we should also be giving thanks. You know, and when you're sitting around that dinner table, if you do that and you go around the table and you're trying to think of what to give thanks for and everyone kind of looks nervous when it gets to them, think about the great things that God, that God has done for you. You know, we Christians, we're not just thankful on Thanksgiving Day. We're thankful all the time, you know. So we should be remembering that we should uh, be thanking God at all times. And then the very last one, Philippians. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Starting with verse number 4. Praise the living God. Philippians chapter 4. You know, if, if, we, if we are not remembering what God, has given, what God has done for us, then how can we be thankful? Okay? So it all, it all ties together. It all ties together. If you're not remembering what God has done for you, then how can you be thankful? Unless you're thanking Him for the for the red Maserati you just got yesterday or something that's rather short term amen so Philippians number 4 uh, verse number 4 says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice let your moderation or, or conversation or thoughts be known unto all men the Lord is at hand be anxious or careful for nothing but in everything, underline everything, in everything by prayer and supplication with, with what? With thanksgiving. Underline thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. And where it says your hearts there, that's referring to your spirit. Alright, so be anxious. We should not be worrying about anything, but when we're praying to God, always give, always give thanks. This is why when we pray here, we spend some time thanking God for all that He's done for us, not forgetting that. Let your request be made unto God. And then if you do that, and then there'll be a peace upon you, which shall pass understanding. That kind of gets back to what I was saying when they were asking, aren't you worried about the pink slips? You know, you will have a peace. You'll have a peace in the midst of the storm, you see. But you need to make sure that you're giving thanks to God for all that he's done for us. And remembering, you know, we would not be sitting here in this sanctuary today if it wasn't for uh, where we've all been in our lives, you know. Even for the journeys, may, which may seem a temporary journey, um, a, a trip. You're going to visit, being in a place. All of this is guided by God. You know, as a child of God, I do not believe in, 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 in our um, coincidence. God is the master planner. God has us where he wants us to be when he wants us to be there. Okay, now, again, though, we have the free choice of deciding to do otherwise. That's why it's so important for us to pray about what we do, where we go. You know, I'm thinking about going here to such and such a place come April 23rd. Lord, if there's any reason you do not want me to go there, then let me know. 
and let me know, but this is what I'm planning to do, you know. And being in God's will, you'll never know who you're going to run across on that April 23rd. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the situation might bring, might bring to pass. God has a plan in your life. All you have to do is just to make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do, you know. The wonderful thing is that God will warn us. God will warn us when things are coming down the pike. God will give us insights. If you're staying in prayer with God and you're in the habit of asking Him and seeking Him for day-to-day guidance, He will warn you, okay? All right? And on the off times when He does not warn you, it's because it's for a reason where He does not want you to, want you to know. It could be because he wants to see your reaction, to see how you're doing with your faith building. Because, you know, God's not going to warn us and tell us about every little thing that happens in our lives. Okay? But if we know and if we have it worked out that every time something unknown does happen, we have a a routine, if you will, and that is by going straight to God with, with an issue, then you'll be okay. Over the years, and I'm not going to belabor the point, but over, over the years, count, having children, we all know that, countless unknown things happen, unknown unknowns kind of happen, and if you get in the habit of the minute something comes up, you grab the family that's there, which, which is what we've always done, whoever's in the house, come on, such and such has come up, so and so has happened, let's pray, let's pray. You gather together and you pray. You get in the habit of doing that, and you'll be surprised how your life will change. Okay? Life will change. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.